Welcome to the Confessionalist Podcast. Today is part three of our strategic relocation series, and we're talking about how to choose a state. Glad to sync up with you today. This this podcast is actually a redo. I don't know of anyone else who deleted and replaced their podcast, but I did. Uh, you know, the thing about podcasts is that people go back and listen to them, and sometimes multiple times. And I, I realized I was a bit too simplistic last time. There were some more things I needed to say, some things that had been kind of churning in my head for, for years. And so... Um, if you listened to the last one, I'm sorry about that, but I, I I hope you listen to this one and I owe you a cup of coffee. Anyway, in this series, uh, we have discussed the when of strategic relocation. When is the time to hitch up the wagon? We laid out some metrics, some things that might trigger a move. Growing judgment without any indication that the country writ large acknowledges our sin. The country is so large and so disparate that there's not really a structure for national repentance. And that's one of the things that uh, really stood out to me in COVID-19. So I think that county repentance is more likely and then eventually uh, uh, the state. So we also talked about uh, the cultural influence. If the cultural influence is going the wrong way, if we have what I call a cultural trade deficit, if we're importing more more culture than we're exporting, then that's not a good trend. And so maybe it's time to proactively change our environment. So last time was the when, and today is the where, or at least the criteria. So I'll walk you through some of my thinking. Now, this is just my thinking at uh, the current time, so take it for what it's worth. To frame this a bit, we should also say that strategic relocation uh, can mean different things. Jim Elliott didn't go to a good place, humanly speaking, but he still strategically relocated. He relocated to Ecuador for the kingdom of Christ, and he was very successful. Even though they they killed him, uh, people were saved. And uh, it's it's just a good reminder, I think, that uh, even uh, strategic relocation can mean different things based upon callings. But it's also okay for us to improve our position for ourselves and our families, if we can do that in faith. Okay, so how do you go about choosing a state or at least getting a short list of states? One of the things you can do is go buy the book Strategic Relocation, North American Guide to to Safe Places by Joel Skuskin. You can get it on Amazon. This is the book that everyone told me I need to get, so I got it. I have the fourth edition, 2020. Uh, The the thing that, that should... Uh, be an indication to you what the book is about is the word safe. You know that this is going to be a book about uh, survival if it's about safe places. So once you recognize that, it's a good read. You know, there's some good stuff in there, long-term economic threats, a pretty good review of uh, of uh, survival from a national standpoint. Uh, so, you know, $40 price tag, it's probably worth it. Um, uh, just realize that it's not going to approach this in a kingdom advancing way. You're, you're going to need the Bible for that. So my top three categories are in one way or another related to state laws. I've heard some discussions um, 
that the state laws are not really that important as long as you can have a good county. Now, I'm all about the county, but the state is still a big deal. That's where most of the laws come from. I look at the states as countries. That's the original understanding. And I think it's interesting that Lincoln wanted to restore the union. The union, what what is that? Well, it it's, it's a union of sovereign states. I mean, that may not have been his understanding, but anyway, it, we, we used to say these United States, not the United States. And I encourage us to get back to that way of thinking. Even today, each state has its own constitution and full-up government. It has all the legislative uh, hegemony, except that we have given to the federal government. So today, sometimes we, we visualize the federal government at the top of the org chart, but it's really the states, and really it's the states under God, since there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. That's Romans 13.1. So you need to grade your state um, and any state you are considering. COVID was a great test. And the, the thing that was most revealing to me is how each state did with respect to shutting down churches. Consider how your your state did on that. Could churches meet in, in your state? And, uh, you know, some of the church shutdowns were uh, municipal decisions, cities doing that. I think you should consider that as well, though, because it shows kind of an overall culture that, um, that uh, your, your state is allowing. So... If, if you live in one of those bad states that shut down uh, churches but had good counties, that's, that's a blessing, but I just don't think it's a good long-term strategy. Okay, let's dive in. At the top of my list is state homeschooling laws. State homeschooling laws. There's no uh, better check against uh, a decadent culture out there than to be able to teach my children from the Bible at home. And to me, it's a jurisdictional issue. The civil magistrate is not authorized to have any say whatsoever. That's trespassing. And I'm not saying that out of a prideful, you know, bravado kind of way. Uh, to me, it's an element of protecting my family. I don't want their names on government forms dealing with education. So I've drawn a hard line. No forms, uh, no notification, attendance records, no testing. I, I just feel like if I, I, I give them anything, really, if it, even if it doesn't make that much of a difference practically, I'm giving them some justification and some legitimacy that Jesus did not give. So this is my stance. Now, the Bible doesn't demand that everyone stand up to every single unbiblical law. You, you make your own choice. But this one is a big one for me theologically. Uh, for, for many people, however, in states with notification requirements, things are fine, and there's bigger fish for them out there. But consider this. I don't think that COVID-19 was a, was a one-and-done deal. Le- Leviticus 26 is what I call the failure-to-repent passage, the, the failure-to-repent passage. Punishment gets worse and worse until repentance comes. And uh, I can see vaccinations becoming more and more forced as this thing goes on. Now, if the door is only cracked an inch, then it's easy to push open. 
So if there's something, some kind of mechanism there, it's easy to expand it, especially over the long term. And I think we're going to see increasing pressure to vaccinate. And the government institutions like schools and school boards will, will be the first to get hit with that wave. So I just don't want my kids' names on a form that I sent to the local school board or the state. Now, I used to be able to tell people to go to the HSLDA website and find the green states. Well, they've recently changed their categorization. Uh, they eliminated all of the no-notice category and just dissolved it into the low-regulation category. I don't know why they did that. But anyway, I, I had to do some, some digging into last year's archives. Uh, here are the no-notice states, and I'm, I'm going to go uh, west to east here. Alaska, Idaho. Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Connecticut, and New Jersey. Now, just because these states are, are good at homeschooling doesn't mean that I would personally go there. Illinois is a, is a green homeschool state, and it's a, it's a wonderful state, good folks over there. But the Chicago politics really affect the whole of that, that, that state. So, you know, good job on the, on the homeschooling laws. Keep that up. But the other laws are, are not so good. So homeschooling laws are good, but they're not the end-all, be-all. Number two on my list uh, is land freedom. And it runs in the same vein. If homeschooling protects your children, then land freedom protects your ability to live uh, in freedom. Theologically, this is also a big deal for me because the government doesn't own the land. Jesus does. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24.1. Jesus owns the land today. And so zoning and building codes. Now, there is some wisdom contained in those, uh, in the, the science of those and the data of those. So we don't want to turn up our nose and say, yeah, we don't want to hear it. That, that's not what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. The question is, who's in charge? Practically. A high level of land freedom allows uh, me the, the ability to build my house at my own pace and perhaps keep down the debt. And the same for, for my children. Those states with occupancy permits, I, I still have a hard time believing this. You, you mean I can't live in my own house that I built until the government says so? This to me is just a, uh, it just puts a, a gray cloud over your house. And, and I don't want that. I, I, want, I want my sons to be able to build a hobbit house if they want. So, so land freedom, looking for a place with no building codes, uh, at least none in the countryside, and very low or unenforced zoning. Zoning is important because those places with strict zoning will tell you how many houses you can have on your land and, and even how many people uh, can live in those houses for granny houses, for example. So research the state and the county on building codes and zoning. The, it, I found the best thing you can do is just call the, call the county. My third major criteria is ability to build. And by ability to build, I mean the ability to build civilization. In, in my family, we believe the Lord wants us to build local Christendom. So the confessional standpoint is very important here. I, I pivot on this point because the Bible requires an all-of-society uh, covenant to build. Here's another biblical example that I don't, I don't think we've used. The book of Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah is, of course, grieving and preaching against uh, his backsliding nation, a nation who's sworn to the wrong god of, of Baal, just like we've sworn to the wrong god of statism in our country today. Well, let's look at Jeremiah 12, 16 through 17. And it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn the ways of my people, to swear by my name, the Lord liveth, as they taught my people to swear by Baal. Then shall they be built in the midst of my people. But if they will not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, saith the Lord. Notice that God is requiring nations to swear by his name. We see it all through the Bible. Learning the ways of God means to swear by his name, a social covenant. And as we've said, the cool thing is that when the Bible speaks of nations, that can also include towns and counties. That's important for me because it's a way to get out of curses. And uh, that's primarily at the county level, but I don't want to stop there. I want to go to the state. But speaking of counties um, and states, one thing that will help with the ability to build, if this is your um, calling as well, is to have a home rule, but not a Dillon rule state. Home rule, but not Dillon rule. Uh, I've talked about this before, but once again, a home rule state is one where counties can make their own statutes as long as it does not contradict a state or a federal code. A Dillon rule state is one where counties can make their own statutes, but only in specified categories. Now, some states are one or the other, and some states are both. They have both of them. Um, this comes out of the Cooley Doctrine, which it, 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 um, emerges from Judge Thomas Cooley, a guy up in uh, uh, Michigan, I think. He, he thought that the inherent right of self-government for local entities was very important, and he codified it. So the Dillon Rule is okay, but Home Rule is best. I will say... This is just what's on the books. How important is it actually? I don't know. I, I talked to my state senator, who is a Christian homeschooling dad, and he said, nobody's ever even mentioned this. So, you know, I, how important is it actually? I, I don't know, but I, I just like to have things um, written down um, to our advantage if we can. So anyway, if you're interested, here are the states that have home rule, but not Dillon rule. Alaska, Connecticut, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Texas, Wisconsin, and West Virginia. So these are the states, at least on the books, that have the edge on counties having more local sovereignty. So those are my top three, you know, kind of overarching categories. But in reality, I'm, I'm looking at some other things too. So let's run down some of these states where the property taxes go to the county, or at least most of the county. That's what I'd, I'd like to see. In other words, property tax is not a state revenue. Speaking of property tax, that's significant because, again, the government is treading on the crown rights of King Jesus if they tax the land. They don't own it. Um, you know, if you can approach um, being self-sufficient, and I don't advocate self-sufficiency, but I think you can become less dependent. You know, if you have a homestead and you're 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 doing those kind of things, maybe trying to stay out of the uh, the fiat currency cycle, you you still have to pay property tax, and so that's important. And you know, some 
there's some good states for property taxes. For example, I know Tennessee and South Carolina are are, are good at this. But also be be careful at at looking at just the tax chart. Alaska looks real good on paper, but I just talked to a pastor who lived up there uh, like last month, and he recently moved um, to my state. He said the cost of living was very high up there, and I just haven't read that anywhere. So I think it's worthwhile to talk to people living in the state, and you'll get a good sense of the tax burden and the overall cost of living. I want a state that is good for raising my own food, or at least a portion of it. So I want fertile land and a good rain schedule. I grew up in Texas and we had to irrigate everything. So I just love it when uh, God, you know, irrigates. I don't think that's the right term, but anyway, he, you know, whenever he brings the rain. Well, I recommend considering not just the state, but also the region of the country. What are the cultural trends regionally? Um, because it doesn't always stop at the state lines. And this is where I'm trying to think hundreds of years down the road. What's, what's going to develop in, in this area? And I believe the Midwest um, and really the most mid, the West portion of the, of the Midwest or the Upper West is staying red because of mostly rural and agricultural uh, culture. So I'm pretty optimistic about Iowa, uh, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, Montana. In the South, uh, South Carolina is standing strong, and so is Florida. Georgia has been good at least at the state level, but you know they have Atlanta that that sort of tones things down a bit um, in the wrong direction. Uh, Tennessee's doing some some good things. I think they've got a pretty good culture there. So the South, you know, still has that that uh, vestige of of a good Christian heritage. So just consider the regions uh, that you're in. Uh, another one, death penalty. Uh, some of the really good states, like Alaska, don't have the death penalty, and, and my state doesn't either. Uh, and this is a big deal. According to Numbers 35:33, the only way to cleanse a land of bloodshed is by the blood of him who shed it. Uh, now, practically, even the states with the death penalty are not executing many murderers at all. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that California has the death penalty, and I talked to a friend of mine who's a deputy sheriff in California, and he says that even those who are convicted of, uh, of murder in death penalty states, it can take up to 30 years, and many are never executed. You know, I don't want to downplay the death penalty. I do think it is uh, very important. It's, a, it's an important law. It, it, it basically says we believe what the Bible says. Uh, being able to survive during a national crisis or a hostile government is important. And so the, the book that I, I mentioned earlier, I think, is, is a good start for that. Constitutional carry. This, to me, shows a commitment to the principles of the Constitution and also to state sovereignty. Abortion, abolition. This is a big one. If a state abolishes abortion, I think that that, that should probably be floating to the top of, of, of our list. Low food regulation, such as raw milk and, uh, um, you know, just keeping the FDA out of what we eat is a jurisdictional issue, once again. Ability to have a midwife in a home birth, jurisdictional issue again. And then, you know, also, what is the actual area like? What's the price of land? What's the, what's the quality of the land? Do you have a clean water supply? These things are so important, they may go to the top of, of your list. Also, don't forget the aesthetics. 
Is this a place where your grandkids are going to be happy about? Is it a pretty place? There's a lot to be said in the Bible about enjoying the land. Well, I'm sure you have a lot of other ideas, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to give you some of the things that I work through in uh, deciding a state. Well, let's wrap this up. The states are a big deal. The the states are for all practical purposes and really theological. They they are nations. In my mind, they are the primary target for a state confession of Christ. North Carolina uh, tried a, a, a version of this only 10 years ago. Now, it didn't go through, but it wasn't really laughed at by Christians either. And you know, it just gives you an idea. And, and if there is an abolition of abortion, it's probably going to happen at the state level. Now, we didn't even get into this, but I can see a possibility of what I call soft secession. Soft secession. That, that, that's where the, the values of the country continue to diverge, and we start to identify with our state more. Having grown up in Texas, I'll just say that this idea is more than hypothetical. Um, remember that the states have their own constitution. As uh, as people um, move from oppressive states to more free and righteous states, I think that this is going to split the country up, and it will it will weaken the centralist government. And as we move further into the information age and remote work, I I see every reason for this trend to to uh, to continue. Good states will get better and freer, and bad states will go the opposite direction. COVID showed us that states matter a lot. Uh, I think that importance will increase. So it's a very big deal, especially when you look at it from a confessional standpoint. The civil magistrate must confess Christ if he hopes to not be held in derision, if we hope to not be held in derision. Now, the important thing in this whole deal, I think, that if you're looking to relocate Develop a criteria based on biblical ethics and on your family's calling. Pray about it. Ask for counsel. But go at it, you know, deliberately. Also, it's very important to find a good church. You want a situation where you can get godly spouses for your children and good preaching, good fellowship. So uh, if you choose a state uh, but can't find a good church or a good way to start one in that state, go back to the drawing board. Don't don't lone ranger this. I, I I really am hopeful that uh, that as we work through this, we will do it in a faithful and victorious way. Well, I hope this puts some meat on the bone for those who are looking to relocate. If nothing else, it's an example of how how I have been looking at it. Well, until next time, I'll leave you with Psalm sixty three eleven. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. <laughs>